I don't like the tone of your voice. I don't like yours. If you want to make something out of this, sir, that's fine with me. Go on, send me to the headmaster. I'd love it. There's plenty I can tell him. And get my mother in, she'd love it. She'd love to meet you, sir. Do you want to do that? Go on, take it further. From Slightly Unbalanced, we are still We're As Folk UK. I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Today, we're talking about episode two, series two of Channel 4's Queer as Folk, and it's called Into the Fire. First aired in the UK on 22 February 2000. The US version of the show premiered only 10 months later in December of 2000, which meant that this show would have been airing at the same time that the US version was in production. It makes me wonder if the U.S. series was like, okay, great, we're gonna we're taking it to the U.S., we're gonna go into production, and then surprise, here's series two. Yeah, series two was always a surprise. Russell T. Davies wrote eight episodes originally for series one, and it was successful enough that they wanted him back to do a, a much longer series two, and he only wanted to do two episodes, and that's what we got, and this is the last episode of the UK series. And it also makes a lot of sense that it was only like two episodes. It was very much like, okay, I'll give you your epilogue that you're all clamoring for, but that's all I'm doing, which I, I respect that. Quality move. Yes. Into the Fire was directed by the Bangladeshi director Minhaj Huda. Uh, of course, he has Coronation Street cred, uh, where he directed 39 episodes. And he also directed the two TV movies about Harry and Meghan. Were those on Lifetime or Hallmark? I don't know. I didn't even bother to look because I can't all the stand same thing. that story. <laughs> Enough already. Uh, and he, of course, directed all of series two of Curse Folk UK because there were two episodes. <laughs> yeah. Here's the synopsis of Into the Fire. Stuart is sick of Manchester and decides to move to London, causing Vince to consider his own life and what he really wants out of his relationship with Stuart. Nathan continues to be tormented at school, but ends up owning the teacher. Great scene. Ooh. Like Mike Stewart blows up Alexander's mother's car (laughs) and Hazel rushes to get Vince out of the store when she finds out that Stewart is moving to London in the event Stewart and Vince really do get together and reappear in Arizona. So of all places. So I felt this episode uh, was great until it got to maybe the last quarter and then it was just like totally bonkers kind of screwball comedy at that point. He went, he went, uh, Russell T. Davies went big. He went bold. He went brazen with it. Yeah, it almost seemed like a little bit of a fuck you. Like, okay, Channel 4, you want two more episodes? Fine. (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) throw everything I got into this. (laughs) Exactly. Here's everything that I, here's the spaghetti, there's the wall, here you go. Well, we start out with uh, everybody's got a trick. So Stuart's trick uh, is a gentleman that has orange spunk. These pills. Oh, oh God. It's sort of... You you do things to me. You make me me spunk. You make me spunks. Me spunks. Orange. Okay, so when he was trying to like speak up as they're having sex, which by the way, uh, the angles that were presented 
really didn't make it seem like there was any pen like penetration happening, but this was more like uh, a hand job that was happening. Like, yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, the the the, uh, the angles weren't making sense. But that said, like as he's like trying to speak us as it does something to my stomach, I thought it was going to be like an IBS issue. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> but instead. <laughs> It's this, uh, he, he keeps going, me spunk, me spunk. And I'm thinking like, it makes you, it makes you come like more. Like, Is orange like, spunk really a thing? Can that really probably happen? Probably not. No. <laughs> I'm Be great sure for Halloween. <laughs> I would not, I wouldn't know what to do. I would be terrified if I saw that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because you got to imagine that if you mix blood, red and mm-hmm. white come. You're going to get orange, right? Right. Especially because cum is not always typically white. It's usually like opaque or cloudy. Like, yeah, I could freak out a little. Uh, Didn't seem to freak out Stuart at all. He kind of found it amusing. Like, eh, okay. (laughs) Which, hey, that's fun. I like the fact that he didn't shame him in any way. He sort of found it amusing uh, and still got the guy off. So good for him. Well, Vince's trick has a gag reflex. (laughs) You all right? Oh, fine, thanks. Can't stand toothbrushes. Sorry. Ah! Horrible things. Oh my god, is that the time? Uh, first of all, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it, please. Uh, so apparently, this guy, as soon as he puts his toothbrush in his mouth, he starts to really gag very audibly. I don't know, is that I could deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it's like, oh, like, will this at some point it makes you question, like, is this going to be pleasurable for you if, you know, if that's what ha- like if that's what happens? But also, <laughs> let's talk about what a sick you know, sense of humor God has on this situation. He's going to give a gay man a gag reflex when brushing his teeth when we're going down on dick, like <laughs> which. OK, to be fair. I usually don't have a gag reflex, but for some reason, it's like it's specifically when I'm brushing my tongue. That's when the gag reflex comes in. Oh, you need to get one of those tongue scrapers. I I think it's anything, anything that like bristles on the tongue. It like it, it triggers it. For me, it's like the roof of my mouth. Like mm. when I'm getting my teeth cleaned, the hygienist will have to put those little x-ray things in. And mm-hmm. if they are hitting the top of my mouth, I will start gagging. And so... They will often take a little swab and swab on the stuff that they give to babies so that they can do baby x-rays. Oh, <laughs> And it tastes like strawberries. It's great. Shit, I'm asking for this the <laughs> next time I go. Because I'm telling you, my, my dentist, I swear, I think, I think they get mad at me for something. You can ask for a balloon in my dentist, too. You can take a balloon oh. home with you. So uh, Nathan probably had the worst trick story. He's in the car getting it on with some guy and the horn honks. <laughs> right. And I, I'm glad Vince and Stuart have the same reaction of like, that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no punchline. <laughs> like, <laughs> where's the inconvenience? Where's the shock? Where's the awe? Nothing. So we see that Vince has his job interview for, uh, I guess, deputy manager of the local Tesco there. <laughs> and I picked up on something here that I really liked, which was Vince had this kind of quiet confidence about him. And I found that so attractive, especially because he's in a suit. I don't know where he gets this from, but when he was at work and he's gearing up for this interview, he's just confident. Loved it. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. He's not, he's not resorting. He's not resorting to like little tricks and things like that to get the job. He's just like, I know I'm going to get it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you are. (laughs) 
Yeah, and Hazel and Bernard actually uh, helped him get it. Uh, they take it upon themselves to sabotage Grant's chances. They managed to steal the code to unlock his car with a watch. With the, okay. <laughs> How? How does this make sense? Like, yeah, somehow they, when he hits the alarm uh, on his car, they're able to record the beeps so that they're then able to use those beeps to also unlock the car. What? That is actually totally a thing with modern cars. You can very easily uh, sniff the air with a spectrum analyzer and pick up that signal. And so it's very common with German cars like BMWs and Porsches, Volkswagens. It's a great way to steal the car. And so only recently did they start to add an encryption layer on top of that to negate that. The fact that they could do this in 2000 with a watch was... <laughs> Astonishing. With this like bust, like with this busted Casio watch they have, <laughs> like what is how how did you do that? Well, they get the car open, they fill it with pornography. Uh, so yes. Hazel then goes and lures the manager out to the parking lot just so that she could see Graham's car full of porn mags. I'm like thinking, what a great mom! You're gonna like really help your son get the job here by making Graham look like a dirty old man. Yes, and that it's all an act. And I love that they had made it clear that Graham was playing dirty in order to get the job. And I somehow I just I somehow I, I would have loved to have seen that that had gotten translated where like Vince was was worried, and that's what had Bernie and Hazel going out and sort of taking those matters into their own hands. But I do love that <laughs> Hazel called herself Mrs. Peel. Yes. <laughs> did uh, did you think that Vince knew what they were up to? No. Yeah, I didn't think he knew either. I think it was no. totally hidden from him, which was great because it's, again, one of those storytelling devices where we know something that the characters don't know it really makes it a little more enjoyable for us because we're not entirely sure how they're going to react, but we have this big anticipation that a reaction is coming. It's really, mm -hmm. really good storytelling. You both did very well, but there's only one job on offer. It's just a shame you can't both succeed. Uh, so Vince gets the job. This was actually very important because it was showing Vince's evolution as a, I was going to say young man, then I'm like, well, he's not young. Then I was going to say old man. He's not old. He's 30. <laughs> so yes, he's getting his life together. He's finding uh, success away from Stuart and away from Canal Street. And so this was, this was kind of a tip off that, hmm, he's like kind of growing up here. Yeah. There was a scene in the bar that I thought was adorable, and that's when Stuart, Vince, and Nathan are talking about a threesome. Hey, Nathan, have you, have you ever done a threesome? No. I got asked by this couple in London, but they're both ugly. Do you fancy giving it a go? <laughs> yeah. Right then, off we go. Us three. Your dreams. You'd do it, Nathan, wouldn't you? It'd be part of your education. Don't mind. What you have? I'm up for anything. There you go. Perfect threesome. I found it. I'd rather have a wank. You, me, and Nathan. <laughs> That'd be so brilliant. I'd just go for it, yeah? And I like that Nathan was just down for it. Yeah, okay. I'm down for everything. <laughs> go <Right>. Nathan. <laughs> I'm 15 and I own the world. <laughs> like, bring it on. In the US series, there is never anything like that. The Michael Navani no. character was always Justin's antagonist. And so this was cute. This was the fact that, yeah, you can have a 15, 16-year-old friend 
And you know, I'd have to like be a dick to him. It's like you can have a go at him every now and again, but <laughs> you don't have to like do 83 episodes just making fun of him or hating him. Yeah, despising him for stepping into like this perfect little bubble you built for yourself. I One of my favorite things in this episode is us seeing the three of them shooting the shit at the bar. Like they have invited Nathan to be part of this group of this friendship of sorts. And I really enjoy that. Nathan did say one thing that I thought was interesting. He's 15 uh, at this point. He turns 16 in the episode because they have a birthday party. But uh, yes. it, it comes out that he has fucked seven men. Damn. <laughs> seven whole men. I mean, do you remember? I mean, uh, maybe it's been a, you know, uh, a minute, a minute. But uh <laughs> I remember when I first started having sex with men and I was able to like actually have a list of all the names <laughs> that, that didn't last long. Yeah, you've lost track. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually kept a list I, and I still have it. So oh, since I was a very, very young person, I have written a journal by hand in sketchbooks. And so I have like 13 to 14 volumes now. And in the back of each volume, I would always keep a running tally of the gentlemen that availed themselves to me. <laughs> availed themselves. I love that. Yeah, it's it's funny because I'll look at it now and there's quite a few people that are first name only. And I I know that I would have gotten their last name at the time, but I can't for the life of me remember it. You know, it's just like Charles and Mark and Bob. And I'm like, what the fuck are these people? Yeah, I think I think mine started with a uh, possibly a, a, a Mark and then it went into like flight attendant and <laughs> <laughs> like Dijon, like the mustard. Yes. After that, gone. <laughs> no names, maybe occupation. Maybe I'll remember what they look like, but that's about it. I actually uh, I had a key set up of what we actually did. I should take a picture of one of these and send it to you. You yes, probably please. laugh hysterically at it. Oh, please <laughs> send that to me. As a good record keeper. Uh, so Nathan uh, is at school. Uh, yeah, remember he's 15. Uh, <laughs> Christian Hobbs <laughs> and his gang. I literally, I literally forget that he is still a teenager until they go back to the school. Yeah, I mean, he's jumping between uh, adult situations and like kid situations, which is is really clever. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. So at school, Christian Hobbs and his gang of lads are pretty much having a go at Nathan. Oi, Nathan! Is it your birthday? What if it is? What are you doing? Having a party? It's none of your business. Where is it? Canal Street with all your little queer friends. Because I've seen him. It's where he goes. Queer Street. He's been watching us in the gym and in the showers, you know. He's been tossing himself off. I've seen him toss myself off a cliff. Oh, yeah. What, you want some of this? Come on, he's wine. Suck me off. He's got a stiffy. Look at him. Yeah, and you'd know all about that. He fancies me. Sir, Nathan Maloney fancies me. Tell him he's a pusser. He's a queer. That's a fact, sir. He keeps on looking. He fancies us. I thought that that was really risky for Christian to do, given what Nathan knows about him, right? That's poking the hornet's nest. Yes, and he he lets a little bit of that slip. He says, oh, you know all about that, wouldn't you? But Christian was able to like quickly turn it around. He's like, oh, see, he fancies me. It's like, no, he jerked you off in the locker room. How about that? Like, well, what? it's interesting that Nathan has never said that. He's never outed him. And I think that's pretty significant. He kind of tiptoes up to the line, but... That's it. Yeah, he never pulled. He never pulled the trigger on that. Uh, so the teacher shows up, and of course he he's going to side with the toughs, which uh, starts 
something brewing in Nathan's head. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Mm. Uh, in the meantime, Alexander mysteriously ODs. Right, somebody call an ambulance. It's me, I'm fine. I've got the bottle, there you go. It only took him 10 minutes ago, so there's nothing to fuss about. Um, I had a chunky Kit Kat, but I don't suppose that can't. All right, well, let's get you seen to. You're walking all right. Yeah, I'm fine, it's nothing. Let's go. What are you doing? All right, I'm a twat, I'm sorry. I'll be fine. Yeah, that was a very strange situation because they were just sort of just sitting around the table and next thing you know, Alexander is going into an ambulance. Like, oh, yep, that's for me. What? What just happened? Yeah, this was, uh, you had to really connect the dots here. This was a continuation of episode one where his mother had more or less forced him to sign over his inheritance. I think this is roughly the same day or the next day, right? So yes, mm -hmm. this was a response to what he went through with his parents. It's just not clear here because so much time had passed between the episodes that you kind of forget about it. So I, I almost wish that that particular moment would have happened shortly after his mother disinherited him in episode one. It was it just kind of jumped out. It was another case where we've talked before about how the UK series has some curious gaps in it kind of like edited mm -hmm. for time gaps. Yeah, so like clearly there there had to have been a scene on the cutting room floor that filled in that space and for some reason for time or whatever they just couldn't like give us that like 30 second intro into this into the situation. Yeah, remind us again what's wrong with Alexander? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's just getting into an ambulance, but he seems fine. Well, it's enough that uh Stuart Vince and baby Alfred jump into the Jeep after uh Alexander is put into the ambulance. We see that Stuart is enraged that Alexander's family has driven him to what at this point seems like kind of an attention-getting suicide. It didn't seem like he really wanted to check out. Mm -hmm. Vince knows that Stuart is about to do something quite sinister right on the street in front of Alexander's mom's house, tells him off, and then just walks away into the night, leaving Stuart with this maniacal look on his face. It was at this moment where I... He started to kind of chuckle at the story a little bit. This was just getting a little crazy where Stuart's unhinged. He pokes a hole in the petrol tank of his of Alexander's mom's car. And I just never liked this story. I've always felt that Stuart was written too smartly to be doing something like this violent and this wild. Yeah, I, I mean, especially seeing the results of such an action. I've got a message from your son. I'd appreciate it if you didn't come to my house. I don't think we've got anything to say to each other. Just one thing. Right. <laughs> you're, you're, like, you could have killed children. Kind of, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, because thank you for pointing that out, because we see him walk away from this fireball <laughs> to go to his Jeep. And we see that Alfie's in the back. I was like, well, you do that with Alfred in the car to say nothing of the fact that he showed Alexander's mother that he would hit that. He did it. <laughs> it's yeah. like a, you're He's like, I, I have a message. Boom. Like what? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I guess I'm being like very critical of this story because I, I can get behind it. He was so angered that, uh, the gay man was written out of the family inheritance simply for being gay. And so I, I like his, uh, I don't know what you call there is, it. <laughs> there is, there is, there is righteous anger in there. 
Like he he it's all like the right kind of upset. It's the justice part that doesn't <laughs> quite mm-hmm. land. This is all uh, cutting back and forth between Nathan's birthday party. Everybody starts to slowly arrive at the party. First of all, how cute is it that everybody comes to 15 year old Nathan's birthday party? I mean, he's 16 now. There's no animosity towards him. Unlike that other show with the same name. Right. And everyone's just like, you know, just don't like let it like let it be known that he's turning 16. He's turning 18. OK, it's fine. Like, keep it all under the table. At this point, though, I would have to say that with the amount of clubs and bars that he's got on into on Canal Street, they have to know. Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and they're all kind of like, well, he's close enough. Like, let's just let it slide. I like that Stuart secretary showed up. Sandra. Right. <laughs> it's like everybody's going. It's it's Nathan. He's part of the family. Let's go to his birthday party. I like that. But where was Donna? Uh, yeah. Well, she's covered later in this episode where she oh, was. Yeah. So Stuart and Vince uh, meet up at the party and Vince has a grown up moment here. She deserved it. No. But just tell her to fuck off. You always tell me to fuck off. It's not enough anymore. It is. You can't go and... There's people relying on me, mom and the house. I end up paying the mortgage every other month. That lot don't earn tuppence. I can't. You're on your own. Suits me. You're just straight, Vince. You're a straight man who fucks men. That's all. We learn that his mother is really relying on him for financial help, that he can't screw things up by getting involved in Stuart's shenanigans and blowing up cars. He's not going to follow Stuart into the more dangerous behavior anymore. And this was a really pivotal scene. Vince is saying no to Stuart. That's kind of new. That's enough for Stuart in his newly found unhinged state to kind of unfairly slam Vince. Yeah, he says, you're a straight man who fucks men. And yeah, like, and again, that maniacal face, I feel like he's he's turned into quite this little anarchist. Like, he's ready to cause chaos in the streets. And, and with his best be like, friend. <laughs> yeah, like, he's ready to, like, to cut it off now. Well, after Stuart leaves, there's some really interesting interplay of Vince kind of mentally comparing youthful, happy Nathan with angry, jaded Stuart. You know, we see Nathan on the dance floor jumping around with all of his friends wearing clearly a late 1990s sleeveless shirt. I miss <sighs> those. Yeah, these these early odds fashions. I mean, like the sweaters that people were wearing. Loved it. Uh, I'm going to bring it back. Hazel, Hazel's, Hazel's hair with the clips. I mean. Didn't love that. Th- oh, God. Ugh. I just we found it that interesting that Vince is really comparing these two. There's good and evil. It's like we see Nathan portrayed as good. Stuart portrayed as evil. And I'm just disappointed, though, that Stuart is the evil unhinged one. I don't think Nathan should have been either. But I think that's the story that we're being given there is Vince has two things to choose from, like his own life of righteous goodness and Mm -hmm. Stuart's life of frivolous. I don't know what you call it. Promiscuity and pyromania. So back at school the next day, Nathan, after his adult party, he has to go back to school. Christian's having another go at Nathan in front of the class and the teacher. This is probably my third comparison to the U.S. show, but this particular moment, I thought the U.K. show handled much better. Johnson. Here. Jones. Here. Maloney. Queer. (laughs) Beg your pardon? I said queer. I'm aware of that. Oh. 
That's a miracle. Because they say it and you don't hear a thing. I don't like the tone of your voice. I don't like yours. If you want to make something out of this, sir, that's fine with me. Go on, send me to the headmaster. I'd love it. There's plenty I can tell him. And get my mother in, she'd love it. She'd love to meet you, sir. Do you want to do that? Go on. Take it further. So Nathan is the one to yell out queer instead of here as the teacher is taking role. And I think that really played better. It was Nathan owning it and not taking shit from anyone. Whereas in the U.S. version, it was the Christian Hobbes character saying queer to the Justin character who then falls apart. I like this version better. Yeah, because there's there's something so powerful about taking ownership of a word that's always used against you and then to say, no, that's what I am and using it as a moment of empowerment. And that's what Nathan does in this situation that I thought I just I lost my mind watching this particular scene. Yeah, he, you know, <laughs> in, in attendance calls himself queer teacher pushed back on him, like, I don't like your attitude. And Nathan's like, I don't like yours. Yeah. So like, yeah, <laughs> go ahead and push me. Let's have it out with the headmaster. Let's call my mother. I'm sure she'd love to talk to you. Done. The guy is shut down. One of my favorite moments in the entire series. You know, I just, I sort of wished I'd been just like a little something more towards Christian to say like, don't fuck with me, fellas. You know, something like that. So that Christian knows like you, you aren't going to get to me anymore. I really wish those two would have hooked up again. Oh my god! I wish that would have. I wish that would have been a Christian looking at him, going like, "You stood up for yourself. Good for you." And then they pounded out in the janitor's closet or something. (laughs) Would have loved it. Uh, So uh, the police arrived for Stuart that morning. Stuart uh, quickly stages the loft with gay paraphernalia. I have no idea why, though. Do you know why? No. Like, there's there's a whole performance that happens here. Because not only is like the porn like strewn very obviously on the table, he's meeting them in his robe that he has wide open and he's just in his, you know, boxer briefs. He's trying to reach for his card and he's just throwing condoms and lube like right at him. Like, what was he trying to say to the policeman? I don't know. Because like, it's not that they were being aggressive towards him for being gay. They're like, you committed arson. So we would like to have a talk with you. You kind of did do something. It was almost as if he was trying to use being gay to get off the hook, which didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. If anything, it should put him on the hook, right? I guess there was the tie-in with Alexander being gay. And so maybe he's trying to portray himself as like Alexander's boyfriend or something like that to the police so that they would at least kind of shift the blame Mm. to... Alexander's mother. Right. That somehow he was like, yeah, there's some sort of there's some sort of justification for why he stood up to her. But yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling on that. So Romeo and Stuart uh, have lunch. This was a really interesting scene. We we hear Stuart telling Romy that he's outgrown Vince, he's outgrown Manchester, he's moving to London. Everything about his entire life is just holding him back. So what's brought all this about? Big fish in a small pond. So small. I'm friends with a 16-year-old boy. It's time to leave. Still, Vince could get transferred. He could afford London. It's on a good wage. He'd just hold me back, standing there, disapproving. And you love it. I've got things I want to do. 
And he's just, he's not, he's just, he's not good enough. Oh, you've argued again. You two are like a married couple. Except we're not shagging. That's a married couple. Another reason to go. Ironically, Vince is starting to realize that Stuart is what's holding him back and that who they are as gay men turning 30 is starting to be two identities instead of one. It's no longer Stuart and Vince, Vince and Stuart. It's Stuart, Vince. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of really the first obvious moment in the episode where we're finding out that oh, this is really happening. They are really going to like split up. So I thought that was that was really good storytelling there. Yeah, they finally have to understand who their identities are as individuals. They spend so much time as Stuart and Vince. And so it's really cool to watch. Watch that start to peel yeah, off. Watch these char- right, watch these characters grow into their own. I think that's one of what's so smart about the UK series because we also had such a limited time to go on their journeys as characters. We are very invested in seeing their growth. We were never truly mad at them for choices they made, except, like, great, we, we, we are calling out issues in this episode, in this final one that, you know, goes for broke. But overall, we like, everything felt very human, very genuine, very real, very truthful. And I think that's a testament to what Russell T. Davies was able to pull off and what these actors were able to pull off. Uh, in creating this world. Well, in addition to Stuart and Vince starting to kind of go their separate ways, we also see that Nathan is too. And we get the first sign of that when Janice, Nathan's mother, comes up to Stuart at the bar. You're going out clubbing? Uh, Why do you want to know? You're just keeping tabs on your son, that's all. You're going out clubbing, Nathan's going out clubbing. His master's voice. Don't know what he sees in you. Yeah, you do. It's not what I call a hairstyle. And as for the walk. Thank you. Pleasure. Still, suppose I better get used to it. Time was Nathan thought you were boyfriend material. Oh, you're better than that. You're God. What am I supposed to do about that? Leave. Oh, don't you dare. He'll only follow. And he's done enough running away. Don't need any more of that. Thanks for the drinks. First of all, I loved how Janice was just taking the total piss out of Stuart. But something here wasn't quite ringing true for me. Does Nathan really still see Stuart as a god and boyfriend material? Because he he seems like he's Mm. doing quite well enough on his own without him. And he doesn't seem hung up on him or anything. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's still if that's just a projection and that, you know, of all the gay people, because like we don't see Daz. (laughs) Yeah, they broke up last episode. (laughs) Sure. Um, Again, to me, I don't think they were ever truly together. But yes, I think she still sees that he he that Nathan does idolize him in some way. I can see that. Maybe that's what it is. So Stuart apparently realizes that he's got to knock Nathan down a couple of chops here. Takes him into the the bathroom stall. Stuart gets off in seconds. (gasps) Oh, fuck. Okay. Do you want me to finish you off? No. It's all right. Anyway, night's still young. I'm really sorry. 
that was clearly to show Nathan that he is not, in fact, a sex god. Yeah, he did it on purpose. He did it this to make Nathan go, oh, you've just disappointed me. I'm going to go find somebody else that can satisfy me sexually. Thank you for clearing this up for me. Because I didn't quite understand what was happening because it was that that moment at once Nathan leaves the stall that Stuart sort of has this moment of glee and right, I couldn't right. figure out why. Okay. He was setting Nathan oh. loose. And that's why I didn't quite oh, get so, okay. Janice's conversation with him because I didn't think that Nathan actually saw him that way anymore. He saw him as a mate liked hanging out with him, would jump on him if he had the chance, but you know, he wasn't stalking him around Manchester and Canal Street. So that's the part that confused me a little. And then when I saw Stuart blowing his load with the precision of a stuntman. <laughs> yes, right? It's like, like he can come on cue. Yeah, he, he, he decides, I know how I can get rid of Nathan. I know how I can set him <laughs> free. I'll just blow in like five seconds. Done. <laughs> This did give Nathan like quite some swagger though. He came out of that bathroom and he's walking around and he shows up at the bar later. He was owning this and he even was slagging off Stuart to his mother about him looking old up close and things like that. It is like, I don't know if I can like keep hanging around him. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Vince and Stuart go to, uh, a dance club called Dante's, which I don't think we had heard of this club before, had we? Yeah, we have. Uh, we have. Well, um, okay. maybe, uh, maybe we, I, I definitely know that they've been there. Maybe we've never heard them call it by its name. Um, but like that platform looks familiar. I do like how Manchester has like so many gay clubs. Pittsburgh had two. <laughs> so. Well, I had two that we went. I mean, they had an entire street, but like, yeah, they, there was always just like two that they went into. Right. Uh, three, if you count that. Um, the one that they went to after they blew up the other club. <laughs> oh, um, uh, poppers. Yes. Yes. Listeners. If you really want to see us, um, if you really want to hear us talk, uh, <laughs> we did 83 episodes on the U S show. First season. We were a little rusty. We we're still finding our feet, but stick with us. Uh, we got really good. I think at doing the, the U S show. Yes. We, we, we get there. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Vincent Stewart are at Dante's and they're looking out over the dance floor and reminiscing about the various guys that they've had, the ones that they've forgotten, the ones they remember. There's a moment where Stewart picked out a shag for the night, only for Nathan to swoop right in and leave with the guy. Oh, what a oh, what a mood! Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect it was for this stir for this particular part of the story because. Stuart starts making some double entendres about leaving, which Vince is slowly starting to pick up on. And eventually it turns into them basically saying goodbye to each other right there on that platform on the dance floor. Do you remember that little friend of his? That girl? Yeah. He didn't need her in the end. His best friend, and he didn't need her. Clever boy. I'm off. London calling. London? Yeah. Been here far too long. Still, we've had a laugh. And the rest. See you then. Not if I see you first. And I found it kind of sad, actually, because a lot of friends drift apart, even if you've been friends for 16 years. But 
how many really have the chance to have a conversation about it first and say goodbye and just part? It seems like these days you just kind of fade away. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it kind of makes me think about like some of the friendships that I've had over the years and how that evolution really happens. I can think of maybe one person from high school that I still talk I still talk to. And now that I'm 10 years out of college, I I can see that that group has also started to fade a little bit. We've all started going separate ways, different things in our lives have happened. But you didn't go to the dance floor and talk about it, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing, though. The fact that they have this conversation and I think like, oh, that's why I found it sad. Uh, we, yeah, we just the, the at least with my you know friendships as they evolve, you sort of just like let time do the work for you. Exactly. Exactly. Here. Yeah. Here they have the face to face. And that's that is heart wrenching. Like where you one have to reconcile that. Oh, maybe we have changed and maybe we're no longer good for each other. But then you actually say it out loud. Yeah, it becomes real. Mm-hmm. Hazel realizes what's happening the next day. Stuart has already told the agent to sell the flat. Uh, Sandra uh, says it's not Stuart's office any longer. Uh, Hazel uh, tries to reach Vince at work, but <laughs> the evil Graham picks up the phone instead, and he starts to connect the dots and realizes that Hazel had something to do with him not getting his job. He's so smarmy. Alexander calls Nathan to let him know. So everybody's got a got to like converge on Stuart leaving. Uh, this I think is where the show got a little bonkers. <laughs> yeah. This is where it goes into its um comedy phase. <laughs> Slapstick. Sure. It, it's a, it's a little it's very um it's very love actually in a way. <laughs> uh, you probably never seen that movie, but it's very love actually. <laughs> like finale of love actually. That's what it is. Hazel shows up at Vince's meeting in front of the entire store staff. And she's trying to get Vince's attention in the middle of the meeting by projecting a giant message on the wall. (laughs) Which, oh my God, that like took me back. I mean, welcome to me through school looking at that overhead projector. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, she breaks the news to Vince in front of the entire store staff. And Graham was just hilarious in this scene because he's realizing that his chance to have that job was because of Vince's mother. And there is some really good verbal slapstick going back and forth between uh, Vince, his mother, Graham, all the ladies in the store that Graham had bedded. They all rise up against him. That's enough to give a big enough distraction that Vince runs out of the store to go to London with Stuart. And when this was happening, I'm like, this is hilarious, but what the fuck? <laughs> what is going on? And then a parade of kazoo people. So much happened. Um, I do love, okay, so we need to take it back because I have to talk about Vince uh, giving the floor to Marcy. <laughs> just spill the tea on Christmas 99. That was just one of my favorite, like, of all the things that were happening, it was just one of my favorite things that was written. The timing of it. It's just like, thank you, Mr. Like, you thought she was a member of Congress. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's just like, Marcy, I yield the floor. She's like, thank you. Uh, I moved to the pre. I moved the motion. to. It's just to like that was spill the tea on Graham and me. Like, it was just so funny because <laughs> she did it. Like without skipping a beat, and it was great. And then they caused pandemonium at the at the grocery store. And then there's that weird "it's a small world" parade thing happening. I, I was like, "What? What is going on?" 
Uh, and this, then we get this ending to- reminded me when they're when they're in the car driving. It reminded me of the ending of Notting Hill. They're all in the oh, car. Yeah. <laughs> Just driving around the city. I actually recently rewatched that movie, and it is fabulous. Yeah, it's fabulous. One of my favorites. Um, Okay, so (laughs) they're driving to try and get to to Stewart, and they get to the 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 cop, or like they finally like get pulled over by the cops. Mm. I think that's where we are on this. Well, after Hazel tried to run down the entire kazoo parade. It's like, boy, you can't uh, shoot TV like that anymore. Those are like terror nope. attacks now. Mm-hmm. Here it was kind of hilarious because they're in their little MG and all the kazoo players are jumping out of the way and Vince is picking out the gay one. <laughs> it was kind of funny. So they do get pulled over. Hazel and Vince have a little silent communication so that Vince can uh, make his escape to get to Stuart. And Hazel distracts the policeman by punching him. That was great. Love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I love it. She's like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to get, you know, take it to jail, I'm going to make it worth it. Pa. And so Vince uh, finally finds Stuart on Canal Street of all places. And this was the moment when I realized that Queer as Folk UK was actually a love story. This was 11 episodes in the making, 10 episodes in the making. It was always about Stuart and Vince's love for each other. So the fact that it was never portrayed in a totally negative light, they never had gigantic problems over their love for each other, the way a certain other series with the same name has. This was really a story about those two. And that's it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. So Stuart and Vince's final speech, I think was some of the best writing. We coming back though. What, come back to this, the ghetto. Alleyways stinking of piss, beggars in every doorway, straights and students coming down to look at the freak show, dull idiots saving all week, saving their stupid money from their stupid idiot jobs so they can come and shoot their load with some stranger. Just you look after him. This stupid little street. It's the middle of the world. Because on a street like this, every single night anyone can meet anyone, and every single night someone meets someone. All yours now. All of them. All the puffs and all the dykes and all the people in between. And this lot, they'll shag you. They'll rob you. Some of them might even love you. And they'll all forget you in the end. Just stick with your friends. You'll be fine. You fuck it up. Then I'll come back. They're handing the keys to Nathan. It's his turn now. They grew up and moved on together. Nathan, you take it from here. Yes, this passing of the torch moment, I just loved. Like, this is sort of that, it was this moment that was, not only was this whole, like, series about Stuart and Vince as a couple, or as two people that are going to be together, this was also about what it means to be a queer man, and here are the things that you're going to go through, these are the things that you're going to do, don't fuck it up keep it going like let us live our live out our full truthful lives and i loved it i thought it was so great and of course the as we found out uh the jeep scene was pulled directly from biker's grove when the two gay characters drove (laughs) off in the jeep it was almost shot for shot the same way the way that the car kind of spun around and they drove away i wish the episode would have ended right then and there because two things happened after this that i thought were like totally weird that didn't need to be there and the first one is 
Vince and Stewart arrive in a truck stop in Arizona and pull a gun on a guy. <laughs> what is this scene for? Well, first of all, like when the when the car like spun off into this sort of back to the future slash grease moment, um, I thought that was it. But like, yeah, for them to end up in the desert, I actually thought they went to Australia. And so it broke my heart to see that not only did they go to America, they went to Arizona. And it looked like Arizona, too. It's like, did you really fly your crew over and the two prime actors of the show to shoot this one scene? <laughs> I was like, wow. Somebody some felt this was important. Dump of a place on Route 66. There has to be something I, more to uh, this than we, than we I, know. <laughs> I wish I could be mad about how they portrayed Americans, but... Accurate. No lies. None. So then the, the episode wraps up and we get the... The, that typical, uh, where are they now? So we find out that Alexander became Alexander or Alex Band, a drag queen. Bernie became a creepy porn baron shooting people. Yeah, that dead was very people. weird. Yeah. Is that what it was? I thought it was like comatose people. It, that was weird. Janice, I think, got a little bit of short shrift here. All it said was Janice got a divorce. Well, I think that coupled with her picture, seeing her in pure joy, I was like, oh, you got free. Good for you. Good point, but I would have liked to have seen something like Anne moved in with Hazel or something like that. <laughs> yes, something. Yeah, that would have been fun. <laughs> Nathan became king of the world. Uh, okay, a little bit of a yeah, groan he, he there. Yeah, he turned a little bit, he went a little douchey too, which is a shame, but yeah. Hazel married the police constable that she punched out. That was a good one. Like that. I loved that. I was yeah. a big fan of that one. And there are many rumors of Vincent Stewart, all of them true. It's like, okay. Uh, yeah. So what did you think of the way that Queer as Folk UK ended? Like in, in general, the stories, not not the nitpicky stuff that we just talked about. What did you think of the way that this wrapped up? I like that it brings them together. I think that is something that like, like it's a an acknowledgement that, yeah, this is this was the path that was laid out for them. And the fact that it was something that's like it was always talked about and you know, we mentioned it at the very beginning, you know, and Nathan calls Vince out for like the reason why you're still friends with him is because you're, you're still waiting for him to fuck you. And it's like, well, no, but like they, it's sort of like that realization, like, Oh no, the reason why we're always together is because we are the two pieces that fit for each other. So like that's, and that's why, and now we're finally acknowledging it. It's allowing, it's, it's funny. It's very funny. I think it's sort of like allowing Stuart to settle down while also allowing Vince to free himself. I think that's such a cool way of, of wrapping it up. So I, I liked it. So let's talk tops and bottoms for this episode. What was your top, Matt? The UK series. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, so my top was. <laughs> I had nothing else. It this is so UK funny. <laughs> my top is uh, the overall series. <laughs> um, but I went a little further. Uh, okay. It's really that this was the love story all along. Uh, our characters get what they want in the end. I'm a fan of ambiguous endings just to kind of leave mm -hmm. these characters frozen in time. But this really worked for me. I do think that the show could have easily ended after series one because series two felt a little bit like a director's cut bonus content that they had left over. Mm -hmm. that, so they stitched together some episodes. But overall, I, I thought this was just a dynamite 10 episode TV show. What was your bottom? That it's over. 
And that weird trip to America, but mainly because it's over. Um, I didn't go quite that far. Um, my bottom was uh, the camp at the end was kind of disappointing for me. Mm. However, I did like that Russell T. Davies worked in things that mattered to him, like the Biker's Grove Jeep departure and Vince's sci-fi callouts. It was okay, though. I, I didn't really mind it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know is that it added a whole lot to the story, but it kind of left everything on a high note and it was funny. There was upbeat mm-hmm. music at the end. We're cool with it. Yeah. This has been episode two of series two and it was called into the fire. Thanks for joining us on queerest folk UK, especially those of you who listened uh, through the U S podcast as well. We appreciate you for sticking it out. Uh, you can find our U S show uh, at still along with the UK show, or you can find it on your favorite podcast app, wherever you listen. I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Still Queer's Folk is a production of Slightly Unbalanced. Matt Dominguez wrote and performed the show with me tonight. Still Queer's Folk was made with love in Chicago.